What's the latest? Everyone, welcome back to another episode of the In the Paint Show presented by Ball is Life. Devin Ugland and Ronnie Flores back with you again for episode number 76. And today, Ronnie, we're, we're going to talk a little basketball, but we're going to kind of shift our In the Paint from uh, the key to the end zone um, and talk a little college football because there's been some crazy stuff going on, unprecedented times, as everyone knows. And it's come to a head uh, with the cancellation of two major conferences, uh, fall sports, basically in the Pac-12 completely. Uh, they're yep. going to they're gonna postpone until until 221. Uh, January 1st is kind of the, the initial target date for when, you know, sports can get back into Pac-12. And then the Big Ten uh, postponed college football in, in their conference and will hope to have a spring college football season. So we're going to bring on a couple guests who cover teams in the Pac-12. Uh, Matt Moreno of GoEasyCats.com and Adam Grossbard, who covers USC for the Orange County Register and Southern California News Group. Uh, we're going to get their takes on all this because they have more of an inside look at this and kind of get, you know, what, why this happened, you know, what was the inner workings behind the scenes as to why uh, it ended up, you know, coming to this point and, you know, what they think as far as if we're even going to have a, a spring football season, um, what that looks like moving forward. But first, let's get to the NBA bubble. There's been some interesting things going on. Damian Lillard's been on a tear. Um, the Phoenix Suns are 6-0 and or 7-0 and now in the bubble and they're... Yeah push for that that you know play in spot um for the nine eight seed and the lakers look like absolute shit so let's let's start with the lakers uh have you how much first of all how much have you watched of the bubble i'm watching quite a bit because obviously i'm stuck at home but have you watched much of the lakers these days yeah Yeah, i'm I'm, uh watching a bit of it and not as much as you and uh i kind of i'm kind of like to see like okay i want to see the playoffs how the playoffs work and as we get deeper into the rounds, I will watch more. But like we said, uh, I think in our previous pods, Devin, you stopped the season in March. Like this is a completely different season. So, yeah, that you have those 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 standings and you resume the season, but it's almost like another season. So some teams are a little more prepared and maybe some teams that had momentum in March. It's like completely dead now. And then some teams that had you know, no momentum. Maybe they had a couple months to gear up or be like, hey, we, we have a chance. Let's get our that, that favorable seed we want. Because if you're in the seventh seed or the sixth, you're like, dude, we can get the fifth or the fourth if we really push it. Yeah. You know, and if you're like, we're ninth or tenth, like, dude, we can get into that eighth spot. Let's just push it, you know. So with the Lakers kind of playing really well, you can kind of see them just, you know, I, I'm not super surprised that they are – maybe not playing as good as they were prior to the COVID going, going nuts because uh, they do have a little bit of deficiencies, but I think with talk with father time, they got one of the best players in the league and two of them, obviously AD's playing, always playing really well. It seems like, but they do have some deficiencies. Now from what I see and what, you know, like social media chatter, it's always like they have no shooters. They have no outside shooting. I know you watched them a little bit more, Devin. What does that mean or what's that main problem? What's their offense main promise? Their offense is so bad. I mean, it's all basically LeBron isolation or AD yeah. isolation. Yeah. Uh, everyone else standing around ball watching. Um, you know, the only, only other offensive kind of uh, 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 fire starter is Kyle Kuzma. Yeah. If he, if Kyle Kuzma is scoring in, you know, the 18 to 22, 24 point range, yeah. like winning the title. Um, yeah. But if Kyle Kuzma is scoring in the eight to 12 point range, there's no other third guy. Uh, yeah. 
Dion Waiters has shown that, you know, he's obviously talented. You're in the NBA. You're really good at basketball. But, I mean, he's kind of all or nothing, right? All uh, or nothing. Yeah, he's a little feast or famine. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Danny Green is struggling. Danny Green. <laughs> and he can't do really anything else outside of hit shots, right? I mean, he's no. a catch-and-shoot guy with the Spurs, catch-and-shoot guy with the Raptors. And he was he's in great a- positions with the Spurs. I mean, yeah. He was there's a reason why Danny Green and Draymond Green and some of these other guys on great teams are wide open all the time. Right. Because they want to stop other guys. Right. And if he's not hitting shots, it's you know, clogging the floor even more. J.R. Smith, I mean, it was a good try to sign him because of what he's known to do, yeah. but he hasn't done any of that in the bubble so far. Yeah. And maybe that's because he's uncomfortable with a new team and a new system. So who knows in the next few games if he gets it rolling. And if he gets it rolling, he's a guy who can score. 20 points in a game and keep yeah. you and help you win a game. Um, JaVale McGee, you know, he's just a rim protector, uh, yeah. rim runner, shot blocker, guy like that. So, yeah, I think the biggest issue they're going to run into is um, who's going to be their third scorer. Can that third scorer make um, three-point shots consistently? Yeah. And, um, you know, if, if Alex Caruso is their best point guard coming off the bench, I'm a huge Alex Caruso guy because he yeah. does all the little things right. But if him and Kuzma are your two guys, your two best guys coming off the bench – um, I think the Lakers might be in trouble with the, you know, if, if the Blazers come in with that eight seed and that's a first round matchup, the Lakers yeah. and Blazers, uh, the Lakers could be in trouble because, uh, the Blazers are good. Damian yeah. Lillard had 61 points on Tuesday, um, in another win for Portland and, uh, CG McCollum, obviously the Lakers have a lot of trouble with really good point guards Yeah, and the Blazers have two of them. So, yeah. and the Blazers are like in playoff mode now, like do yeah. or die. Yeah, they're playing well right now. Yeah, and so it's very interesting to see, like you said, the motivations. Now, the main question I would have for you is the Lakers we saw before COVID. Is that the Lakers team you would have expected to see if the season was no break? Or do you think some of the deficiencies would eventually have showed a little later and they might have slowed down or some of it would have showed in the regular playoffs, like if there was no break? Yeah, I think that, I think because the NBA is really like the yeah. only sport going on right now that draws a, a ton of viewership. I mean, baseball is going on, but obviously like there's no baseball Twitter and you and I really don't follow baseball like that. Yeah, but, there's not a huge following like that. Yeah, there's it's such a magnifying games. Yeah. yeah. Anybody randomly can glass. win. Right. It's, there's such a magnifying glass on this current, you know, uh stretch of NBA games that we're just like really looking hard at yeah. anything we can pick apart on any team. Sure. So you look in, in the East, I mean, now Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid are both injured. So um, I think Ben Simmons is probably out for the year and Embiid, yeah. who knows what's going to, you know, he's been inju- injury prone his whole career. So they're kind of out of the playoff push, push. You look at, you know, you try and dissect every single part of these teams and the Lakers being the one seed in the West and, you know, having guys like LeBron James and Anthony Davis, of course, we're going to look at them and pick them yeah. apart. Yeah. There's nothing going on. Yeah. So maybe it's a little bit of they're pretty good. It's just they're hitting a snag. They need to adjust. Yeah, I mean maybe maybe it's just like they they clinched that one seed, yeah. and they kind of just took took a their foot off the gas a little bit. Yeah. Um, but if you look at you know past championship teams, uh, past Laker championship teams, they had that killer instinct. You know, like the Shaq and Kobe Lakers had that killer instinct. Sure. The Kobe Palgasol Lakers had that killer instinct. I just don't see that mindset right now for this Lakers team, and that's kind of a cause for concern for me. What do you think? Yeah, I think 
you have one guy who knows he's on the clock big yeah. time. And honestly, if that one guy said, you know what, this is too dangerous, uh, this bubble, they won't work. I mean, would there even be a bubble? You know, like, literally, if LeBron James said, dude, unequivocally, this is not going to work. We're not going to yeah. do it. Like, but he knows he his age. We all know his age. We all know he wants to win. And it is working. So, uh, you know, I think it's just a matter of, like you said, they have a little bit of deficiencies. And if they're not shooting great, I think LeBron uh, James led teams had this problem in the past a bit with uh, Cleveland in his first run. You know, uh, they would have a great regular season. They would hit a snag. I think they even had the best record with Mike Brown a couple times. They had the best record in the East and they might even had the best record in the league. And they just, their their little small deficiency showed up. And that, that happens. Not every team that with the best record is always going to win the title. Yeah. You know, so uh, I I think they can do it. Like you said, I think they need to make adjustments. And, you know, like you said, the ball stopping and relying on one or two guys to, you know, to eat the shot clock is got to be adjusted because that that's that's obvious at every level of the game. Yeah. And it's yeah, think- we talk. I'm sorry to cut you off. We talk about the bubble and then, you know, it working and that kind of leads into our next segment of, you know, is college where's college football at with how much a bubble costs. Yeah. And yeah. So give your last statement of, of, of the NBA and we'll, we'll shift yeah. over to, to, to college football. Um, I think playoff wise, it's all going to come down to matchups, right? Yeah. Like, I think that's, that goes for any set of playoffs, whether it's, yeah. a, you know, a, a bubble restart or a regular season. I mean, the Lakers really struggle to contain guards defensively. Sure. Like, I mean, with Avery Bradley not there and uh, Rajon Rondo, you know, may be coming back. Um, I mean, you really see how much you miss Avery Bradley on the defensive end because he can guard yeah. the other team's best scorer. Because most be- most teams' best scorers these days are, are the guards, are the ball dominant guards. So or you the need- guy handling the ball the most, like yeah. Luca. Yeah, like Luca. Yeah, exactly. You need um, you need a guy like Avery Bradley right now because if you're going to face Dallas or you're going to face uh, Portland, I mean, you got to, or you're going to face Houston. I mean, those are two those are all teams with, yeah, those are all teams with really good guards uh, who play really well in the pick and roll. And the, the Lakers historically, even with Shaq and Kobe, struggled with pick and roll defense. I don't know why. Yeah. I just don't get it. Um, yeah. Maybe it's just kind of the way the game is now that that defense really isn't the uh, the calling card for most teams. But it's going to be interesting for sure. Um, I think Damian Lillard right now is the best guard in the league in the restart. I mean, he's just killing it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's yeah. awesome to see. You know, Luca's there too. Obviously, he's not Damian a guard. Like you said, he's not a true guard. Kevin Booker. You know, Booker's putting up some. I see Booker, and it's just like the guy can shoot from anywhere. It's just, oh, crazy! Yeah, it's it's ridiculous. So yeah, we we'll plan on talking about that more, especially Houston. How Houston does if Portland makes a playoff push? You know, we'd like to get we in the in a future pod. We'll talk about their high school like evolution from where they came to what they're doing now. And I, I you know, I have some good background on uh, uh, Lillard, Harden, and that group, and. There's just a great group of players from Southern California in the NBA right now. There's just no doubt about it, whether it's, you know, we'll see what Kawhi Leonard does with the Clippers. We haven't really right. talked about them much. How about if he gets another ring? You know, I mean, you could. that whole group from 07, 08, 09, you know, Russell Westbrook, those guys, we'll, we'll talk about them more in the future. So, like I said, let's talk a little bit about the bubble. And it's we kind of mentioned it jokingly. And. You know, the bubble work and, and, you know, the everyone looks at the NBA, Devin, and NHL as evidence that it works. But, like, 
you know, uh, let's just go withdraw from our bank a billion dollars and get a bubble, a ball's life bubble, and it'll work. Like, hey, if I so the, if I had a billion dollars in my bank account, I would not be sitting here with you right now. Yeah, talk I, guarantee, I guarantee you that. Uh, yeah, you wouldn't be, be making my, a bubble. <laughs> I'd be in my own bubble. Yeah, you'd be in your own bubble. <laughs> I'd be in my own bubble. No one would be allowed in. I have a basketball court, gym. Yeah. Uh, golf. I have my own golf course. You'd have your own golf course under the bubble. Yeah. Oh, for sure. I'd have. Yeah. I, I'd be. I'd be up in like in the middle of nowhere in Oregon, just playing golf nonstop. Yeah. So it's funny because, you know, you you hear about this and. You hear about the player demands. The players are kind of organizing, and you know, it's kind of a quasi union, or you know, lack of a better term, they want to unionize. Uh, Clemson quarterback Trevor Lawrence, who's by far the most visible college football player, kind of sent out some tweets. He made some statements about, you know, how, you know, uh, the many players may be more safe in a college type environment with the bubble or with their teammates. Than they would just be roaming around at home. You know, a lot of people kind of, you know, picked up on that. Obviously, he's very popular and they made some demands. You know, the we want to play movement. Uh, you know, they want to play the season. They want to establish, you know, mandated health and safety procedures. And that goes back to what we're saying about the NBA. It works in the NBA because they have a whole lot of money. Right. How does, so what's your first take on that, Devin? And 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 the demands they have. So a few conferences, as you mentioned at the top of the show, are saying, well, we'll cancel the season. So I'm sure they're saying, great, you guys want these demands? Cool, we'll cancel. Like, yeah. you know, but then you have a few conferences that haven't canceled. So what's your timeline take on first Lawrence and then the demands and then where we're at? For those who can't see me, I'm like massaging my temples right now. Yeah. And like, because the college, the way the college football has handled this is just so mind boggling to me. Yeah. I mean, we, we've known about, right, how, how serious COVID is since sure. March. March. Correct. And, and you like college football, you know, or the NCAA, college football presidents, uh, conference, you know, administrators haven't been trying to prepare some sort of protocol. Yeah. Like universal protocol for everybody yeah. to get the season played again. Now we're, right. now you're waiting until uh, late August. July, August and start scrambling to, you know, figure something out. Uh, it just, and the players have to kind of be the guys who, who uh, spearhead, you know, looking into um, safety protocols and things like that. It just doesn't make sense. Yeah. Um, and, and I understand why the Pac-12, uh, I think the Mid-American Conference was the first, you know, quote unquote, major division one conference to uh, postpone or cancel its season. Um, and the Pac-12 followed along with the Big Ten. Um and I understand why, because again, it's player safety, right? Liability, um, and money. Those are the three things I see, right? Yeah. It's player safety, the legality of it, uh, the potential long-term health risks, and how you know if a player, uh, you know, gets COVID and has some sort of lingering heart issue Issues. or whatever yeah. that we're hearing about, and that player passes away, what liability does the school have or the NCAA have and yeah. are the lawsuits when it comes to that? So, I mean, it just doesn't make sense to, to risk that. Um, Especially and, since there's no fans, there's not a hundred thousand people at the big house. You're not making, you're not making any money off of attendance. So you're not making money, any money off of, off of uh, uh, food sales, uniform sales, yeah. things like that at the, right. at the facilities. So it's just, I mean, it's, it's 
Dude, I just don't. My thing is like, I don't understand like why the ball was dropped with the leadership and why it had to come to this. And it wasn't something they were preparing for since March. Yeah, I agree with you there. And then I also wanted to make the point that, you know, we talk a lot about basketball. Obviously, we talk about a bubble. We talk about 12 guys. You know, you, you can imagine, you know, there's 12 guys and three or four coaches getting off a bus. There's social distancing on the bus. You know, you know, there's no fans in a basketball arena. The refs are wearing masks. You see these little things and you, you can kind of see how it works, that it can happen. Like, uh, let's say the CIF season in March. That's realistic to me. Right. Sure. So when when people talk about a college basketball football game and you talk about the production of it, it's a big production. Like yeah. meaning, there's many more people involved. You got. 85 scholarship players. You got all these sorts of, of, of equipment managers, trainers. Like I give you an example, the University of Notre Dame, they take an 18-wheeler full of stuff to each game. So how much people does that involve to unload, unpack? Yep. Got train. I mean, film, you, and then film, like, film crews, yep. film crews, assistant coaches. It's a huge, much huger production. I would imagine that, uh, you know, I, I have a little bit of background in it, but, you know, I, I don't know the numbers anymore, but exactly. But, you know, I worked for ESPN and I, I used to ask the production guys, you know, uh, just the production of a college football game, a big time game with 100,000 fans on like, you know, a, a, like, let's say the ABC game of the week or a, a bowl game. You know, the production of that is well into the high six figures. Just yeah. the production of the game. Mm hmm. The lighting, the cameraman, everything. So it's 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 a huge undertaking. Now again, obviously we won't have the fan aspect, but it's still a big a big undertaking. I was kind of joking on uh, Twitter the other day, like, is the chain guys, the chain gang, gonna be uh, quarantined? Like, do anybody yeah. think about the chain guys? Like, is it where are the chain guys coming from? Like, are right. they quarantined? Yeah. Like, you know, right. just, I was just joking, but it's it's that's how much production goes into a game, you know. And you look at. You look at what the NBA's done and how they've been successful with it is yeah. if, I mean, you've seen multiple guys leave the bubble, right? And come yeah. back for family issues or whatever it may be. And they have to quarantine. Yeah. So, I mean, so every person, so USC plays UCLA, right? At yeah. uh, the Rose Bowl. Okay. Yeah. So you got to find the chain guys. You got to yeah. find the official. The scoreboard operator. Scoreboard operator. The uh, uh, public address announcer. There's, yeah. The um, players, the assistant coaches, the production teams on the, the television yeah. guy. The the guy who's driving the truck. The trucks. The, the production truck. Or Dave, yeah. Dave Otta driving up there to, to, to right. produce the game. Dave Otta, Dave Otta got a quarantine for seven days before – yeah, he does that game. The yeah. the chain guy has to quarantine for however many days before they do that game. I mean, dude, it's just crazy. Um, and, and I think our first guest popped in, Matt Moreno, the publisher of GoAZCats.com, been covering uh, the University of Arizona basketball and football for the last what, Matt, like seven or eight years now. <laughs> Uh, getting close to nine. Nine years, Matt. You know, couple, day, couple days here. Long Beach State graduate. Go Beach. Is that what we're saying now? Beach. No more 49ers. But uh, Matt, uh, what the hell happened, man? So, how did we end up here with the Pac-12 uh, postponing? You know, all of fall sports until at least 2:21. Yeah, it was an interesting scenario to see play out. Um, a lot of speculation about this. I think even going back to March, I think there are a lot of people. Uh, myself included, who had some hesitations about 
uh, all this being kind of in the rearview mirror by the time football season arrived. And uh, sure enough, it's still around. And, and there wasn't a lot of great planning done. And, and I think a lot of the leadership uh, in the Pac-12 and you know, other Power 5 conferences didn't really take this as seriously as they could have. And I think they, they really didn't do great, a great job of planning it out. And, and now we've arrived at this situation. Um, the biggest thing that I think has kind of impacted things lately has been kind of the heart issues um, yeah. that are popping up. We have a kind of better idea now of what the impacts are of, of COVID-19 and, and kind of the lasting impacts after you get through the original kind of illness. And um, from reading the report that the advisory board put out, the medical advisory board put out from the PAC-12, that's something that's really kind of on the top of their mindset. And I think that's really the thing that you look at right now that pushed this through and, and made this a reality. Gotcha. You know, um, Matt, what have you heard or seen about, you know, the players' reaction within the program with the, with the, with the postponement or cancellation? You know, what's their first reaction? And, you know, what's the vibe around the program? Yeah, I think right now it's, it's there's obviously a lot of disappointment. I think as the announcement started to come out and it started to become a reality, um, a lot of the players, a lot of the leaders on the team have really kind of rallied around, hey, what we're going to you know, do better. We're going to have time to prepare even more. Um, as the Pac-12 has said, they're going to continue to let them stay on campus. All the support is going to remain in place. It's not like they're going to say, I know there, there's a big deal about, you know, they're going to be safer on campus than they are at home. They're not sending players home at this point. Um, it's going to be an option to, to remain on campus and, and uh, go through the regular kind of off-season program that you normally would. So there's going to be the support, the continued support that they've had. Um, so they're going to be able to continue to practice at least. And I was on the webinar yesterday during the discussion with Larry Scott and everybody involved in making this decision. They really tried to hammer that that point home that the support is going to be there. Uh, it's only an end to competition for now. And, and there's going to be practices that play out and they're going to have opportunities to continue to work out and prepare. Um, it's just going to be different than what they normally would do during the fall. So I think there's a lot of disappointment, but I think so far what I've seen from Arizona's players at least is kind of a rallying uh, together and, and hope to be better, you know, whenever they can get back out on the field. Matt, is Arizona uh, going to have its regular student population on campus? Or are they planning to have in-person classes? That's the plan. And that's uh, obviously something that it, it seems uh counter to what's going on. You look at Arizona as being one of those hot spots across the country, and it doesn't seem like maybe necessarily the right decision, but it's what they're pushing forward with. There's going to be uh, several different kind of approaches. You can have some uh, some students who decide that they just want to do things online only, who, and they're going to have that capability. And um, But for a very limited uh, amount of students, they're going to be able to go on campus and go through classes like they usually would. And um, I don't know that that's so much the concern as much as it is just having a bunch of college students in a college town. I think that's where the concern is because I think all the protocols are going to be in place for them to go to class and, and do the normal things they would normally do. But it's when you get outside of that class time and in obviously a place like Tucson, Arizona, part of what is attractive about the place to so many college students is that it's a college town and you know, there's parties and there's pool parties and there's all these different activities to, that are outside of the school that get people together that are going to be unsafe in the current environment. And I think that's kind of the bigger concern. And, and it'll be interesting to see how they approach that part of it, because a lot of what's going on, a lot of what you hear from leadership is it's going to be on the students to be responsible and to expect 18 and 19 and 20 year olds to be responsible is maybe giving them a little bit too much credit at this point. And you're making me want to re-enroll in college. You know? <laughs> Damn, pool parties, beach. Dude, I'm I'm there. I'm down. I'm 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 going back to college, Ronnie. I'm out of here. Um, man, a lot of the a lot of you know some of the pushback is 
or what people are saying is to why the college football season should go on is because the players are more safe on campus or in school than they are running around at home. But I, I, to me, it's more of a, what do you do while you're on campus or what do you do while you're at home that like generates how safe you are? I mean, if you're going to all these parties and uh, you're at school and you're going to class and, you know, people aren't wearing masks, whatever it may be. Um, if you go home and you sit in your room all day, like I think you're more safe sitting in your room all day at home than you are uh, going to a party at, uh, you know, on campus or whatever it may be. It's just, it all depends on who does what. Um, but the players in the Pac-12 uh, and in other conferences too, you know, started that, that we are united movement and had a list of demands they wanted met to play the season. Um, did you get a feeling or sense from any players or anyone associated with uh, the program that, that the demands that they asked for could actually be met? I think some of them can. Um, uh-huh. I think that obviously uh, the racial inequality, um, the uh, tension for COVID-19 protocols, uh, they really want to make sure that they're able to opt out and still have everything in place. And the Pac-12 came out yesterday. That was kind of another one of the points that they really hammered home was that, um, you know, all the support is going to be there. Even if you opt out, we're really we're going to ensure that you have your scholarship for this next year. They're really going to try and push the NCAA to get an extra year of eligibility like the NCAA did with the spring sports that were canceled. Yeah. Um, and, and so that's their hope is that they're able to kind of work through that. As far as revenue sharing and all that goes on, I think that was a bit uh, – they, they took a chance there and really said that they wanted, you know – uh, a part of that revenue sharing and a big part of that revenue sharing. It's tough to get that when you're in a pandemic and a lot of you know, ath- athletic departments are losing money right now. So it's, it's tough to get that. I don't think they're going to get that. A lot of that is issue, um, which could solve a lot of that. But I think at this point, uh, a lot of the things that are going to be easier to, uh, uh, resolve, I think, can get resolved in this time. But um, there's a lot of things that, that they have issue with, and I don't think they feel fulfilled by what's been going on with the Pac-12 and Big Ten the last couple of days. Mm-hmm. Uh, Matt, looking in from the other side, you know, the players are a little disappointed right now. Obviously, they want to play. They've been training. They've been working out. They want to get back on campus. But like you said, if the if the players are trying to unionize and it's led by Trevor Lawrence, the Clemson quarterback, and obviously it's touched other conferences – if they have all these lists of demands, is it safe to say that the administrators are like, cool, let's wash our hands of this. Let's cancel the season. We don't want them to get stronger or to unionize. If we cancel the season and just try to look forward to 221, then, you know, we kind of killed our momentum, so to speak. Is there any truth to that? Is there any strategy behind that, you think? I think it's naive to only think that this is about health and safety. Um, yeah. I, I think that it's very naive to think that I, you have to look at the situation that's been playing out over the last couple of weeks, players wanting a, a players association, which I think is reasonable players wanting to have more money, which I think is reasonable when you look at the overall picture and how much uh, money the NCAA and these conferences and these coaches are getting uh, and are bringing in every year. And I think to give the players who are at the forefront of this, uh, a bigger piece of that pie is, is deserved. And so I think um, the biggest thing that the NCAA and the Pac-12 doesn't want is a union, is a players union at the college level, because you're then having to admit that there is no amateurism. This isn't this isn't an amateur thing. They're not student athletes. They're athletes, and and they need to get paid. And so I think that's one of the things that uh, definitely scares the Pac-12 and scares the NCAA because it takes it'll flip everything on its head and what they're about. And so I think for for them, I think you have to be naive to think that this isn't part of what what this, this decision was. Um, it had to be a big part of it, and 
it's something that I think played you know, a role in making this decision a little bit easier for the conferences to say, you know what, we need to uh, eliminate this right now and figure out how we're going to approach it. Uh, it kind of slows everything down if you cancel the season. And I think these, the, the We Are United movement and these, this player movement, I think, understands that. If you look at their statement, they were not excited about, you know, canceling the season. They felt like this was kind of what you alluded to, where, you know, it kind of slows things down and, and does, it calls that progress a little bit. And so um, I do think that it's something that they that they took into consideration when coming up with this, this idea and, and decision to, you know, move the fall sports to the spring. And again, like I said, I think it would just be naive to not think, to only think that this is about health and safety. And that's the only thing that this was based on. Yeah. And for, for people who I kind of don't understand, college football basically funds college football and basketball on a smaller scale funds the rest of, you know, non-revenue generating sports. How big of a hit at Arizona, Matt, do you think that non-revenue generating sports are going to take um, with the Pac-12 postponing the season? It, it, I mean, I guess if, if they're able to play spring and we're going to get into that next, uh, maybe, you know, they won't take that big of a hit, but say we're not able to play spring and the, th- the whole thing is canceled. Um, how big of a hit do you think they're going to take at, uh, at Arizona with non-revenue sports? Yeah, it would be huge. I mean, they're already talking in the millions just based on this last fiscal year. Um, I think most programs across the country are in the million. It's going to be in the millions that they're losing money. Um, Arizona's athletic director, Dave, Dave Hickey, uh, earlier in the spring, even before we got to this point of, hey, what's going to happen with the season? Are you going to have a shortened season? This was back in you know May. Uh, the athletic director said it would be devastating to not have football and men's basketball. It's, it's the life force behind college sports. I mean, it funds everything else, especially a place like Arizona where, yes, we're so focused on football and not, not having a football season, but Arizona's basketball program is one of the premier programs on the West Coast. And yeah. um, that drives so much of what else happens at Arizona when it comes to the other sports, the Olympic sports and the things that they have to do and their travel and, and everything that goes into a college athletic department runs through college football and men's basketball. And that's, you know, a huge deal when you, they're talking about a season potentially being canceled and now a lot of games, obviously a lot of non-conference games. We're, we haven't even talked about basketball yet. This is not just impacting football. This is impacting a lot of sports, including men's and women's basketball, which is now going to have to figure out what it's going to do because there is no competition until at least January 1st, 2021 in the Pac-12. Yeah. Matt, do you feel, you know, with the Big 12 saying they're moving forward with their season, do you think them and like the SEC or ACC, they're kind of being gun-ho about it, or you think they're just delaying the inevitable? To me, it feels like they're delaying the, the inevitable. I mean, it will be interesting to see if they can get a season and, and get it going. Um, I think the worst thing for them would be to start a season and then have everything collapse, whether that's students coming back to campus and we see a new wave of COVID-19 across the country, and especially in those places where they're continuing on with their seasons. Uh, that would be devastating to those programs. And the Pac-12 and Big Ten would look very great in that situation. Say, hey, look, we tried to warn everybody. This is why we made the decisions we did. But um, on the flip side, it would be devastating to, to the Pac-12 and Big Ten if the season goes on without a hitch. Uh, and, and these other conferences are able to get a full season in, go, go through the process and not have a huge spike in, in their coronavirus cases. And, and it would look very bad for the Pac-12 and Big Ten at that point. But to me, it feels like it's kind of just delaying the inevitable. I think they're going to realize that, you know, there's, there is maybe something more to this, uh, these cardiac issues that are coming up. And it's scary for a lot of these uh, programs and the doctors that are behind it. When you look at the report that the Pac-12 put out, it's, it's something that definitely concerns them. And uh, in addition to that, it's testing. They need to have rapid testing and have enough of an ability to uh, have a quick turnaround because you're, you're getting athletes on planes. You're 
having it, especially in football and basketball, it's, it's close close contact that you're having with all these sports. And it's uh, it's definitely something that uh, they're concerned about. And, and I think they're not happy with the levels of testing and response time to get such a quick turnaround to keep everyone safe. So um, maybe it's, it gets to a point where they get to the season and they get closer and start playing games. But to me, it feels like it, it's delaying the inevitable. And, and obviously everyone talks about you know, the Big 12 just put out their football schedule today um, and and uh, they're moving forward with everything. But the Pac-12 did that a couple weeks ago and now there's no Pac-12 sports until, you know, January 1st of next year. So um, just because there's a schedule, just because they have the intention to go forward doesn't mean that the story is not going to change in a couple weeks. Yeah, I think it's, it's uh, interesting, too, on the recruiting level, Matt, because a lot of, you know, top tier high school prospects, even some mid tier, lower tier guys, they plan to graduate early, uh, enroll early in college and be there for spring football, um, you know, to kind of get a step ahead of, you know, any other recruits, whatever it may be, get used to the program. Have any Arizona guys, uh, recruits in the 221 class uh, announced that they're going to skip their high school football season, uh, their senior season of high school football and enroll early at Arizona, even though the Pac-12 season has been postponed? That's one thing that I'm still trying to get kind of a okay. handle on. I think they are as well. I think that there's a lot of players who initially when uh, kind of everything came out, they were saying, you know, when before everything happened, when everyone assumed the seasons were going to go on as normal, they said, I'm going to enroll early. That's what Arizona's really been pushing for. You see it a lot, I think, across all of college sports where a lot of coaches want to get those guys and, and, and women in early um, at the midway point because they can get, especially in football, you can get a spring football under your belt um, before the actual season. So you get a leg up on, on the rest of the class on other teams because you have that ability to get in onto campus early. Um, but I think when high school organizations started pushing their seasons back and you saw some different places opt for the spring on a high school level, um, a lot of players say, you know, I'm just going to stay where I'm at. And I want to play my last, you know, senior football season. And I think a lot of Arizona's players are leaning that way as well. Where it makes it interesting is someone like a JUCO recruit, a junior college player that Arizona has committed, uh, his season has now been pushed to the spring. Um, Let's say the season starts in March. He's able to get on campus in January. Uh, as a mid-year enrollee, he gets an extra year if he wants. I mean, he gets an extra year to play at Arizona. Um, but there's so many issues going on right now. And when uh, listening to the webinar yesterday, it's clear that the Pac-12 doesn't really have a good handle on what they're going to do. I think it's going to be up to the NCAA to figure out how they're going to adjust the roster numbers, the scholarship numbers, because um, this decision was made with health in mind. But I think there's so many other layers that are going to come into this. And so we really don't know what the scholarship numbers are going to look like. You're going to have players like Trevor Lawrence is in a position to get drafted high. And he has to decide if the ACC ends up deciding that they want to go to the spring as well. What's going to happen to him? Uh, does yeah. he just forego his senior, his junior season and get ready for the draft? And then does that, that is obviously going to impact the scholarship numbers as well. So there's a lot to still be figured out. And I think for most people, programs included, recruits included, I think that everyone's kind of in a holding pattern until they figure out what the situation is going to look like. And, and that's something I think we'll know more in the coming weeks. Yeah. Uh, last thing for you, Matt, before you go, uh, you mentioned a holding pattern. Um, Arizona basketball now, all Pac-12 basketball now is in a holding pattern. I mean, non-conference games in November, December, tournaments, uh, one-offs, I mean, those are out, out the window now. Um, have you heard anything from within the, the basketball program, you know, how they're going to adjust to this and what they're going to do to, I don't know, man, just like make this up or, you know, figure out a way to, to get through it? There were already kind of rumblings before football decided to cancel its season before the Pac-12 decided to cancel everything that it was going to be working toward probably a conference only type of situation like the football yeah. season had been a couple weeks ago. 
um, which I think that doesn't change at this point. It feels like it's obviously now we know it's going to be that way and, uh, you know, looking at a conference season. But I think there's growing kind of sentiment that there's going to be some type of bubble situation. How they pull that off, we don't know. You're going to need, obviously, a lot of bubbles when you're talking about college basketball programs. There's a lot There's a lot more of those than there are college football programs. So figuring that out is going to be interesting. But I think there's kind of a growing kind of feeling that that's going to be what happens in, in college basketball because we've seen how it works with the NBA, the NHL, uh, MLS, everybody who's kind of gone to that bubble format, it's really worked out well. There hasn't been a huge spread of, of coronavirus. Uh, everyone's kind of been pretty safe. And, and so um, obviously missing out on the tournament two years in a row would be a huge, huge loss for the NCAA. And, and so I think the goal is going to be to play that however they can. Um, right now it's looking like, you know, it's going to be a conference only season and they'll go from there. But I really think there is kind of some validity to having a bubble. It's just figuring out how they're going to be able to pull that off. No doubt. Matt Moreno, go as com. We appreciate you, man. Absolutely. Thanks for having me. Thanks, Matt. And Ronnie, we can we can transition now into our second guest from the coverage area of the Pac-12 Conference, Adam Grossbard, USC beat writer, uh, Orange County Register, Southern California News Group. Adam, how you doing, man? I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. No problem. Um, you know, you put out a funny tweet yesterday. It was a great time for you to take a vacation. Um, are you are you all caught up <laughs> on the latest since coming back from from a from a vacation that was probably uh, probably uh, interrupted in a way? Well, I mean, fortunately, I didn't have to write anything, but I'd be lying if I said I wasn't sitting on the beach yesterday, just kind of doom scrolling through Twitter <laughs> and all the college <laughs> football news. Um, it's, you know, it's, it was kind of surreal to watch it and not have to write anything, but it yeah. was, uh, you know, I'll be writing a lot tonight, you know, finally get, uh, Clay Helton and Mike Bone on the phone today, uh, with a press conference to discuss what USC is going to be doing moving forward. Yeah. So ultimately, you know, what really led to the PAC 12 having to postpone all of its fall sports until the new year at the earliest? Uh, three simple words, which is, I don't know. Like, this <laughs> is what every Pac-12 person had to tell themselves. Like, they did not know what the long-term ramifications are of someone testing positive and having heart issues. Right. They don't know, like, you know, what happens if someone, if one person on a team tests positive right before game day, does that mean the entire team has to quarantine for two weeks like we've seen in baseball? Um, they didn't feel like they had the right testing capacity. And they hope, I think that one of the reasons that they are optimistic for a spring season is the idea that they will be able to test at a higher rate, as well as the fact that hopefully the community spread has decreased by January, February, March. Yeah. Um, so it was just, there was, there were too many variables. And I think that's the difference for say the PAC 12 and the big 10 is they looked at those variables and like, well, we don't know, we got to shut it down. Whereas other conferences are looking at it as we don't know. So we might as well just move forward for the time being. It's just a total philosophical divide. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Adam, um, you know, based on, on that, what you're saying is, you know, did you feel that the, uh, you know, the, the Pac-12 and the people in the leadership positions, 
that they got a late jump on this in terms of what their decision was going to be? Or do you think based, based back in March or April, there just wasn't enough information about coronavirus where they couldn't get a jump on it? So they had to do what they did lately. And I think most people would describe that as scrambling, but maybe that's not the case. What, what do you feel there? Whew, it's a good one. Um, you know, I remember a couple of days ago, I think, I don't know, it's really hard to keep track of when all this news is breaking, but I think on Monday, um, the Big Ten was talking about like what could a spring season actually look like for the first time. And like that just kind of gives you an idea of like how evolving this has been for every single conference. Um, you know, back in March, how could you expect that we would be in this position as a country? Um, heading into yeah. the fall, like the idea was that, you know, this would be the time where the, you know, first wave had ended and every, you know, things were starting to return back to normal is what we all hoped in March. And obviously that's just not the case. Um, you know, my vacation was from home. I just took a couple of days off. Right. Like that's just where we are. And um, so I think that the, you know, they've been evolving. I think it is kind of crazy. And I think it does show just kind of like they didn't really totally know what they were doing when they announced the 10 game conference schedule. Like the idea that reducing the schedule by two games and only playing conference opponents was going to somehow mitigate risk. <laughs> it already seems antiquated and it's only a two week old idea. <laughs> so I. I <laughs> Yeah, I, I think that they, yeah, I, I think that there were things that they could have handled better. Like, I think that if they could take it back, they wouldn't have done the full schedule rollout two weeks ago. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, everyone's adjusting. No one knows what's going to happen next week. No one knows. You know, it's really tough to predict. Yeah. Now the the conversation with football is, you know, okay, we're going to shift to a, to a spring season. Um, but uh, you know, that puts into play even more of a, of a student health risk. If you're going to play a spring season and then come back and start in, in August for uh, the regular fall season, do you see a, a spring football season happening? And if so, would it be altered in any way? I think it has to be altered. I think yeah. you have to reduce the number of games, like maybe even just go to like, you only play your division opponents in the Pac-12. Like that's just me spitballing, but sure. you, you can't play 10 games in the spring and then expect to play anything close to a full schedule in the fall. Right. Um, so I would imagine that both seasons would be shortened somehow to be able to fit them both in. Um, what that looks like, who knows? <laughs> You know, so like if it's say it's only the Pac-12 and the Big Ten that of the Power Five conferences that don't play this fall, somehow the ACC, SEC, Big Twelve all get through. Um, what you probably want then is like a spring Rose Bowl between, even though the Rose Bowl is a playoff game this year. Maybe if there is no other major conference playing in the spring, you want like the Pac-12 and Big Ten champions to play in the Rose Bowl because you know that's what they've always done since the beginning of time. Right. Um, and if that's the case, then the Pac-12 can't really play in January because the, there's no way the Big Ten can play in January. Right. So then you're probably waiting until, say, March to start playing games. Um, and at that case point, I have to imagine that the fall season wouldn't start until like October at the very earliest. That's, yeah. I, yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, it's just a crazy scenario because it's funny how you... 
you 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 think of these scenarios and I, like you said we're spitballing here but imagine like there being a rose bowl in the middle of the ncaa tournament basketball yeah. tournament it's like it'd be like a tv extravaganza you know it's just it's it would be nuts yeah it, it would be insane um so does the NCAA tournament happen on time or is it potentially yeah. delayed because of the overlap of sports? Like that's something we don't know either. Um, yeah, it's, it's just, you know, it's a puzzle where all the pieces are just kind of moving around on their own. No doubt. You know, Adam, um, obviously USC wants to get the top tier players and they have the ability to do that. Uh, mm -hmm. Some of the best recruits in the country. Um, you know, if the other conferences, ACC and SEC, play their season, you know, and let's say the Pac-12 just doesn't get back to playing at all, you know, how big of a blow is that to them in, in your mind? And then what does that mean, you know, for, for prospects and for even spring football or players, you know, skipping and rolling early? You know, I mean, obviously the lifeblood of the program is, is getting good players. So what, what's your opinion there? Uh, I think it could go either way. Um, I don't think you're going to see a massive wave of transfers to the SEC and ACC right now, because what if you transfer in the next week or two and then another week later, the SEC pushes the season to the um, spring and you're in the exact same position, but you're on a new team learning all these new things. So I don't think players are going to be very jumpy about transferring. And I also think that, um, you know, when, you know, discussions of, you know, how, how, how much do a con does a conference care about their student athletes? Right now, the Pac-12 and the Big Ten can say, look, we put ourselves on the brink of financial disaster because we didn't think that we could uh, keep our student athletes safe in an actual season. Right. So I think that, you know, it can go either way. You know, <laughs> are there going to be teams in the SEC who say, oh, they just don't care about football out West? Yes, that's been happening already. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I think that it does give the Pac-12 and Big Ten like the potential to say we actually care about the student athletes. For sure. Um, whether you yeah, know whether cool. you believe that or not, that's up to you. But yeah, it gives them a little, it gives them kind of a of a like a, a ace in the pocket. You know what I mean? So um, yeah, a little moral high ground. Exactly. Exactly. Um, what are you hearing as far as um, from the players' perspective uh, at USC? Whether you've seen on Twitter or social media, whatever it may be, their, their thoughts on obviously it's disappointment, but their thoughts on the season postponement. I think it's just generally disappointment. I mean, they've been you know, just jerked around like all these players have been between the changing schedules and everything. They've been on campus since June and, you know, USC has done a really good job, really almost no new positive tests after people have arrived on campus. Most of their positives have come from people either arriving on campus and test positive or, you know, in one instance, they brought a student athlete back to school who um, was showing symptoms away from school and they brought the student athlete back so that he or she would have access to USC's health facilities. Mm -hmm. So I, yeah, yeah, there's disappointment because they've been doing it right. But at the same time, you know, USC's first game against UCLA was scheduled for September 26th. There was no way that that game was going to happen. All the time. Yeah. Like it just wasn't because they didn't have permission to go into the weight room and lift dumbbells. All they could do was out on the field because of LA County guidelines. When I saw, I so, saw Trip said like, 
they haven't tested for a month. Like the last time they tested was like July 7th or something like that. I mean, if the, like you, that, that goes back to your, your point about testing capacity, like that has to be, that has to be right. You know what I mean? That has to be like mm-hmm. every week. And clearly that's not, that's not what's happening at UCLA, according to Ship Kelly. Yeah. I, I mean, UCLA, it's kind of hard to figure out because they just won't release any of their testing. Gotcha. You know, anything they just kind of roll it into the general student population so you know there was the la county um health director who said that uh eight members of the team had tested positive but then ucla came out with a statement that no one was still no one was in quarantine anymore which indicated the positives were upon arrival um (laughs) but it it, you know I, i think what the PAC-12 doctors are recommending, and it's actually in line with the We Are United movement, is daily testing. And just no PAC-12 school has that capacity. But the hope is that they will be able to build that up where they can do daily testing and get almost automatic results, kind of like what the NFL is going to be doing this year, right. um, okay. like 15-minute results. And so hopefully, you know, if that all falls into place, then, you know, spring season could happen. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a very interesting dynamic because, you know, as, as you know, Adam, that, you know, the NBA bubble is quote unquote working, obviously they're mm-hmm. spending a lot of money and they're testing rapidly. They have the capacity to test and it's just very interesting optics. If we have college football and or basketball and they're getting rapid testing, but the rest of the public doesn't have access to it for whatever reason, you know, or they don't have the means or they don't have the money. So it's it's going to be a very interesting dynamic there if and when they get to that. Yeah, that was something when I talked to someone yesterday, they mentioned that, you know, one of the concerns for the Pac-12 is that if they continued to test at the level necessary, they would be taken away from the public resources. Mm-hmm. And yeah. um, or even I the think students that they're... Oh, absolutely. And I think one of the things that they are hoping is that they will be able to get a deal with some type of private company similar to what the NFL is doing, um, gotcha. where they have that rapid testing results. Yeah, because okay. I think they would, you know, let's say 85 scholarship players and 100 players are getting tested or 15 basketball players or whatnot. And yeah, I could just see an uproar with the rest of the student body being like, yo, we're, we're, we can't even get tested <laughs> that quickly. Right. It's just bad optics, in my opinion. So it'd be interesting to see how that plays out. Yeah, that was something I saw in Dan Wetzel's column today. You know, always read Dan Wetzel, but he his column talked about uh, a Penn State Board of Trustee member, Jay Paterno, uh, ran into a professor on campus, and the professor was like, could I take 70 students, put them on an airplane, fly them to another school to have some type of academic decathlon or something uh, against 70 other students and then fly back and reinsert those students into the student population. And he said, the trustee said, no, of course not. (laughs) And so the professor said, then why should football be able to do that? Right. Like it just doesn't make sense, especially if you are a school where students are coming for in-person classes. Right, right. USC is is full online, right, for the fall and the the Yeah. They were yeah. They were trying to like figure out some in-person classes to help international students when there was the threat that they were gonna get, you know, sent back to their home countries. Right. Uh, but once once ICE dropped that, they uh went back to pretty much fully online. 
does that make it even more surprising that the Big 12 is moving forward with its season and then um, the SEC and ACC are also still trying to move forward with the fall season? Are you surprised by that? Or is it kind of um, the area of the country um, is kind of dictating what's, you know, the what steps they're taking? I, I think it's just pretty much indicative of where the country is right now. Like we're okay. just so geographically and politically divided. Like I don't yeah. think that there's, oh, like it's it's seeped in, seeped into pretty much every aspect of our society. And college football is definitely not an exception. Yeah. Um, as far as recruiting goes, for USC, have, has any any of their you know top level recruits coming in in the in the two twenty one high school class announced that. You know, they're going to forego their senior high school season and try and enroll um, at USC in the in the in the spring. Or are you seeing more kids now saying, hey, I'm going to play out my my final high school season um, before enrolling at SC because of the Pac-12 postponing? Yeah, um, I don't think there's been any reaction to the Pac-12's postponement. Um, okay. You know, theoretically, like, I mean, no one's no one knows yet, but theoretically, if you enrolled in January, maybe you could be eligible to play in that spring football season. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been a couple players who back when California pushed back high school sports to 2021, who already announced that they are going to forego their senior season and go to USC. Um, then one of their quarterback commits, Jake Garcia, decided that rather than... Um, you know, stay at his California high school. He's actually going to Georgia uh, yeah. to go play his senior year out there. He's a well-traveled young so. man. Long Beach Poly, He's a well-traveled no, young Poly, yeah, Abra, Georgia. That's that's impressive. No, nah, he's he's a nomad for sure. He's good though. He is good. He is good. Ron, you got oh, no to doubt. Yeah, it just uh, be very interesting to see how that plays out. I could see. I don't think it'd be successful, but I could see a kid Devin playing in, in playing in a in a let's say quote unquote SEC country and trying to come back west to play a second season of <laughs> high school sports. You know, it's just there's so many unanswered questions. So we 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 really appreciate your your input, Adam, and uh, you know you gave us a lot of insight there to what what the program's thinking and what the Pac-12 was thinking as well. Thanks, Adam. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me, guys. Appreciate it, man. We'll talk soon. Appreciate it. Yeah. So, Devin, yeah, you know, the you, especially on the basketball side, you you can see somebody trying to pull that off. You know, it's just fun. Oh, yeah. Um, there's so many unanswered questions. The optics of, of testing 70, you know, players, as you mentioned, he mentioned the Jay Paterno story with the Penn State professor. You know, that's one of the things I, I see out there that is very bad. You know, uh, I've talked to a couple of nurses, uh, one nurse that works for LAUSD long time, and it's she's seen uh, false false positives, you know, with the testing. Uh, I have a family member who's tested. She's tested twice and it's negative, which is, you know, great news, but she's very sick. And, you know, I want her to get another test, Mm -hmm. you know, so uh, regardless of what her ailments are, I want her to get another test to see if she has it, because, again, that would affect uh, what other my other family members have to do. They have to get quarantined or if they have to test. Yeah. So it's just so many moving parts when you have, like you said, the normal students who are not student athletes or normal 
society, people in society, their access to tests. Are these tests accurate? Uh, you know, you would assume in the bubble that Damian Lillard and LeBron James are getting accurate tests, but are me and you getting accurate tests? You know, I, I ain't taking. I don't. I don't want to know if I have that thing, yeah. bro. I'm just. <laughs> if, I'm feel, if I'm feeling okay, I'm. I'm gonna chill. Uh, yeah. But uh, it, it, you know, I think this all comes back to, you know, everyone saying, oh, you know, student athletes are treated so well. Why do they need all these special treatments? Blah blah yeah. blah. Uh, you know, they get scholarships. They get free food. Free food. They get stipend. They have access to the best, you know, doctors, the best strength and conditioning coaches. These are the same guys who want the kids to go play football. Yeah. And they're like, so you want? Do you want them to be treated as the same as as the general population, or do you want them to play football and get all these extra benefits? Like, Correct. which one do you want? You can't have both because. Yeah. If they get you know special treatment with testing, and they're on campus with regular students who can't can't get that same opportunity, that just doesn't equate to me. Yeah, it, it, it's it's terrible optics. Yeah, some of it's not making sense. Um, A lot of it's not making sense, and that's why we're in the position. Yeah, and that you know, and that's going to affect basketball. You know, it like I said, I've I've mentioned it before. Right now, California is quote unquote a, a bastard in the system, but they may be smart. They may be the ones that end up being smart and everybody's yeah. going to have to move basketball later Yeah, because the country doesn't have a grip on the virus. So they may have be, be the ones that look smart. You know, Devin, what is your opinion that, um, and when we changed gears here a little bit, that a team with quality players or a quality program is going to play in events, assuming they go on as a quasi uh, fall league team or a travel team with their high school and then come back and play 28 games for the CIF season. How do you think that's going to work out? I mean, what do you see there? I mean, it's, yeah, it's, you're talking about the high school level? Yes. Yeah, high school basketball level. Um, yes. I mean, I've already seen a couple uh, kids on Instagram make announcement that make announcements that they're going to play on teams in the grind session. Mission. Correct. And then come back and play with their CIF team in, in, in the spring when that starts on March 12th. Uh, I mean, it, it could work out. Yeah. It sure could work out, um, but it it could have you know it, they could get hurt. Uh, hopefully not, but again, yeah. they could get hurt playing in the grind session, not be able to and have to miss their high school season, or they could finish out the grind session and come back for their high school season and get injured for overuse or whatever it may be. Sure, or they could just may say, I I don't need. I played the grind session was pretty good. I had a good year. I don't need my high school team. Yeah, no, that could could very well happen because yeah. a couple of the kids who I've seen. Uh, announced that they were going to do that are already committed. So do they want to risk, you know, playing, you know, 25 to 28 more games in the yeah. spring before they go to college? Or do they just want to rest up um, and get ready to enroll at their respective school in, in the summer? Uh, it could work either way, man. I mean, it's, it's just like, like you said, there's so many variables and we just don't know. That's the key is we don't know, you know, we should know because I think the, the federal response at the government level to uh, what happened in March and all of that has been so uh, mishandled that we're in yeah. a position now where we just have no grip on it. Yeah, we're having no grip on it. We're trying to make sense of it. We're trying to give people a sense. It changes all the time. We do know that it looks like there's going to be an NBA champion. You know, it's kind of a model that I'm sure colleges, if they go for it, are going to try to steal some of that intel, for lack of a better term, to yeah. use it to get through to their seasons. Yeah, they want a season, like you said. The NCAA tournament. If the NCAA doesn't have college basketball tournament for another season, that's a very big blow. And I think, like you, 
Adam mentioned, if if I'm the SEC and I get through this, I'm going into Bosco. I'm going into Modern Day and be like, dude, we we care. We we took care of football players. We care about football. Why do you want right. to go to these uh, second rate programs? It's going right. to have a lasting effect. Or they could look great and be like, uh, we care about you. We want to give you your your you know your rights, and uh, we care about you as student athletes. And they don't. And see how their season got started and it got canceled. Yeah, dude. I mean, there's a lot. There's a if you really dig deep into this and look at the yeah. the gamesmanship that's going to come from it in recruiting. Oh, the good recruiters are going to be. Yeah. They have a lot of ammo. Yeah, no doubt. Um, it's going to be an interesting thing to see if the if the Big Twelve. Uh, SEC and ACC are able to, you know, go a full season and not have any major issues. Uh, it's going to be a feather in their cap in the recruiting game for sure. Yeah, but like, here's another thing, Devin, and, and I want to talk about a little bit of basketball. I'm getting some word that some kids are transferring, right? And I'm sure you are too, not just from Twitter. A coach will call me, hey, my kid's going to transfer. So if there's not school, physical school, and it's online, so let's say Johnny jump shot. It says, I'm going to Etiwanda, and he enrolls there online. Again, I'm talking. And he goes this fall semester. Can he just say, well, now I want to go to uh, St. John Bosco and enroll there in January, and then now he's at Bosco. So all the transfers right now, in essence, mean nothing because the season doesn't start until March. So you can just enroll in in the second semester in January or February. Yeah, you, you you technically you could, and yeah. it, the eligibility is of Johnny Jump Shot is all going to depend on yeah. whether um, um, you know Jump Shot Senior and his yeah. wife decide to move into yeah. you know a new house, yeah. right? So yeah, sure. That's always the that's always the key with high school eligibility in in CIF. If you move residences and show proof of of moving residences, um, you can basically be eligible. Uh, no matter when a transfer happens, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, Johnny Jumpshot could for sure, you know, be like, I'm going to be the starting point guard at Etiwanda this year. And then mm-hmm. all of a sudden, um, you know, Allen Allen assist yeah. transfers in and takes Johnny Jumpshot's spot. Well, yeah. Uh, Johnny Jumpshot's like, damn, I got to find another place to go play. Right. Yeah. And he transfers to, I don't know, Huntington Beach High School. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be the star at Huntington and he could be eligible as long as he moves. Yeah. yeah, it's very interesting how all that works because of homeschooling, online classes. Like if you're enrolled online in a course, does that mean you're enrolled at that school now? So there's going to be so many loops. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. Dude. It's it's really wild stuff. I think I think the the uh, the lesson we can take from today and what we've learned is no one has a clue. Uh, yeah. Everyone's kind of going off off the off the cuff here yeah and you got to be prepared so i wanted to mention i uh you know that preparedness is two things one is there's a lot of people who still don't know when the high school season is going to be in california so coaches are telling there's no going to be no season uh you know again they're like you mentioned they're using their recruiting tactics yeah come to our school you know that that they're not going to have a, a program i've even heard some somebody telling kids and uh somebody telling i guess student athletes in the that go to LUSD schools, you should transfer in because there's going to be no season there. <laughs> I mean, they're just, parents are not informed, so they believe yeah. these things. You know what I mean? Yeah. So let's give a quick highline, Devin, of when the season is, and then, uh, you know, we'll kind of start wrapping up here. Uh, you know, right now, there's a lot of sports that have moved to uh, the fall. Some have moved to the spring, but in California, give us the rundown. In the southern section, um, 
city section uh, and San Diego section, basically all fall sports have transferred or moved to March 12th as the, the start date. Yeah. Uh, winter football, sports. Yeah. yeah. Winter sports. Yeah. High school football. Um, is looking like they're shooting for early January. As yeah, the January 9th, maybe. January 8th or 9th. Uh, Corona yeah. Centennial, I'm looking at Twitter right now, Corona Centennial, obviously one of the premier high school football football programs in Southern California, released its schedule um, and their first game is against Cathedral Catholic on January 8th. So that's, that's what they're looking at. But who knows? Like, that's yeah. the thing. Any advice for a for a parent or a family considering transferring? Just stay put until you know what's going to happen and be informed of the dates. Yeah, you know, right. You know, again, in in some state, you can. You know, if you want to play in the grind session, you already plan on going there. It probably happen because they don't have fans. They can play in private facilities. Um, you know that type of thing. So that that if and that's an option for you, then that makes sense. But if you CIF rules had said yeah. basically. From now until the start of the season, it's like the fall. So, like I had my fall league last year. Yeah. Um, I had you know team a uh, prep team from Arizona come play in it, and I had yeah. uh, California-based high school teams play in it. So basically, uh, say Los Alamitos High School can literally just go play in anything they want Correct. until March twelfth. So March twelfth, yeah, they can play in a the first. They can day. be accepted even if I'm for lack of a better, uh, you know, uh, acceptance policy. They can yeah. play in the grind session if they want. Yeah, if they're if they're, if they're good enough, yeah, if they're good enough, and the the grind session wants them to play, Los Alamitos High School, their team can team. go play yeah. in any sort of um, fall league or winter league winter until league. March twelfth. Yeah, so that's going to be very interesting. I still think if that happens and that goes off and we stay with that March 12th date that there's going to be one or two kids that say, you know what, I've already played 20 games. Yeah, I'm okay with not playing this. I'm going to, you know, train. I'm going to work with my trainer. For sure. I'm going to get ready for college. Um, you know, I'm going to get ready for AU season because, you know, AU seasons maybe push back a little bit, but it'll likely be one. You know, again, yeah. at some point, the colleges are going to have to make their they're going to have to tell their presidents, their athletic directors, yo, we haven't seen any of these prospects in since March. Only on on high, only on video. And, yeah, yeah, only on video. And we got to see something. You know, so I, mean, I haven't I haven't seen a live high school game since the the Etiwanda game we went to Etiwanda Rancho Crypt. Yeah, I think it was late February. Yeah, and you know, then we jumped into we saw the game with Sierra Canyon in Etiwanda. We and I saw a couple games around then, and then like you said, for lack of a better term, uh, Law Hal broke loose. So yeah. We are where we are now. Uh, let's hope that we do have some semblance of basketball season. I think we will. I've been talking to some higher level uh, teams in terms of that, that are usually in the Fab 50. And uh, they're right now, you know, have their schedule put together. Uh, like, for instance, Oak Hill thinks they're going to get Oak Hill Academy in Virginia. It's kind of rural, so they don't, you know, they're, they're already kind of socially distanced. Kind of quarantined, yeah. Yeah, they're already socially distanced from other people in many respects. As You know, a beautiful campus they have there in the hills in, in, in Virginia. And they're going to try to get like... Uh, eight to 10 games in, you know, let's say a little bit later than normal, uh, late October in, in November. And then they plan to maybe have a big break because their other their opponents won't have a tournament. And then they'll yeah. get going again in January when, when other states start up, when other events come back. In essence. Right. Yeah. 
That's interesting. So, you know, that that we'll keep monitoring on that for now. We'll have the Fat 50. Of, you know, of course, I'm going to do preseason rankings, even if there's no season, because I want to give people an idea of who the top teams were going to be. Running if they don't play running, running needs shit to do. Ronnie's bored. Yeah, we, we, you know, we need to know who the top teams are, but what their top teams are going to be, um, I, I don't know right now because, like you said, people could transfer and say, hey, maybe this state's not going to happen. Maybe there's outbreaks. Yeah. It's all going to be a little later. And then normally I release the Fab 50 around Halloween and that in that time frame. So it might be a little later. I'm just giving the fans a heads up what we're doing at BallsLife.com. It might be a little later. But then again, if we go to that, we get to the election of the presidency and all hell breaks loose we we might be delayed again so <laughs> that's kind of where we're at right now yeah I, I imagine based on everything I'm reading right now um, from non-fake news sources um, if you don't know which ones those are, I'm sorry, but um, I, I think all hell's going to break loose, loose. Uh, come early, no, come early to mid November. Uh, so my my question would be: Is do I get it out before then, or do I wait till all the storm settles and get it out? So that's kind of where we're at. A uh, bit long term, you know, we'll continue to, to update you guys as much as we can. Bring on guests to talk about various topics relating to COVID, sports, because I mean that's basically we we can't avoid it. We don't always want to talk about it because we're not experts. I don't want to talk about it. I, yeah, yeah, like I, I'm so sick of this shit like yeah we don't want to talk about but we kind of have to you know i i'm so i'm so tired of being inside my house like i'm i'm full-on done with it but again um you don't trust what's out there oh no i've gone to like i've gone to like three businesses since march yeah so i've gone to america's tire company (laughs) um i've gone to uh dude i really I've been there. I've been at America's Tire Company twice. Yeah, to, to and, service your car. Yeah. To, to, that's it. That's <laughs> yeah. it's crazy. Everyone's- yeah, I've been out a little bit more. I mean, I'm not, uh, again, I'm not all out there gun ho but, you know, I've been out and I've been out in my, doing some yard work and things like that, going to stores, going to the grocery store. But uh, yeah, it's a very scary thing. And we hope to have some normalcy. But like you said, we're not doctors, but we got to keep talking about it because that's all that's around sports. Yeah. It affects yep. everything. So, you know, we'll continue to plug away. We'll, we'll, we'll hopefully have some guests related to the NBA bubble and playoffs here in the future. And I'm sure we will figure out how that relates to the NBA draft because and we'll hopefully have a, a, a guest in that area of basketball as well. But we'll continue to keep people updated for what we know. But uh, the main thing is to try to lay low and get yourself as much information for the basketball that you're trying to play, whether that's uh, independent program, CIF program, grind session. If you plan on, you know, transferring, you got to get informed. Just like we say, you got to get informed about COVID. No doubt. That is the key to, uh, to life, be informed and get informed from uh, sources who know what they're talking about. Um, and a source who knows what they're talking about is the Independent Show presented by Ball is Life. Uh, we appreciate you guys listening in to episode number 76. And as always, make sure you check out all of our new um, content on ballislife.com. And you can also go to our uh, shop.ballislife.com website and score some some cool gear. We have uh, some good sales going on right now. Yeah, there's uh, some backpack sales. Hopefully backpack you can use sales. that backpack. Yep, yeah, yeah, exactly. You can use your backpack and you pick up in your bed and you go to yeah. your uh, your dining room table and, and yeah. do your... Look cool. You can look cool walking around yeah, your, cool your, your house. Yep. Um, and we also have, you know... All of our podcasts the last few weeks have been uh, COVID related, and we have a mask initiative still going on. Um, if you guys need uh, 
face coverings. Uh, Ball's Life is selling it on shop.ballslife.com, and 25% of those proceeds go to World Central Kitchen, who feeds uh, people in need across the uh, across the world. And our other initiative is a is a T-shirt to fight racial injustice. And 100% of the post operating costs on those shirts goes to the Bail Project, which helps um, those who are uh, you know in need of legal services or or bail money who have been uh, wrongly arrested or wrongly accused. So Ronnie, with that said, with all of the the great guests, we appreciate Matt Moreno and and Adam Grossbard for coming on. You guys can you know check them out on Twitter and follow them on Twitter. They give great information about uh, Arizona uh, football and basketball, uh, USC football and basketball, and and the Pac-12 as a whole. Um, But until next week, Ronnie and Devin are signing off.